Good afternoon, and welcome to the news portion of Midday Magazine for Friday, November 11th, Veterans Day. I'm Julie Hersey. Petersburg's police chief, James Kerr, recently returned from an international conference of public safety professionals. It was the annual conference of the International Association of Chiefs of Police held last month in Dallas. It included over 16,000 public safety workers from all over the world, and Kerr traveled to Texas with his family to attend. Rachel Cassandra spoke with Chief Kerr about his impressions. He said the conference offered a wide variety of courses. During this conference, they offer uh, different career training paths and different debriefs of incidences that happened across the world and trends in law enforcement, and so you're able to pick and choose what classes you'd like to attend. One of the classes I attended was, I mean, everyone's facing this issue, but it's solving the hiring crisis, what works through internal research. Another issue, recruitment and retention. That class was very interesting. Um, One of the things I learned is that the borough is actually doing a very good job with how they're hiring and how they're looking for employees. One thing I learned about the factors facing us is our geographical location. I mean, we all know that, but it just kind of sent it home that that's actually a factor we're facing. Other places have millions or hundreds of thousands of people to to choose from. They're even having the hiring difficulties One of the things they talked about is having your HR in constant contact with people who are applying. That's one of the things that they found out through research that kept applicants engaged in the hiring process. So was that something that you all were doing here before the conference, or is that something you want to try to implement? That's something we're currently doing, so it it made me feel good that that the borough's already doing that. Yeah, so I attended the pre-employment evaluations considering racial biases. And one of the things they talked about was the psychological evaluations. And one of the things I learned is that we're already doing the higher standard of psychological evaluations through public safety psychological services. So that was very reassuring. That's like a specific type of test you give to applicants? Yes, it's a it's an additional screening that they go through, and they're actually looking for uh, biases in law enforcement because we don't need those. One of the other classes I attended was the anti-police culture. That was nice. It talked about how to communicate with the anti-police culture. And one thing I noticed is that Alaska seems to be very advanced as far as community policing and being in touch with your communities than other places. Mm -hmm. It could be just because we're such a small community, everyone knows each other, and so you get constant feedback instead of having to hire companies to do surveys. What I learned from that is don't be afraid to to talk to them. Try and bridge the gaps. I mean, if we have a problem or someone has a problem with us, they normally come and talk to us right away, and I really like that because then we can handle the problem or handle the issue so we don't let stuff get out of control. Do you feel like um, there were any other things that you saw there that shaped how things will progress this year? Um, I actually used, 
being there at the conference as some research also when I we have the axon dash cameras going through the assembly right now for the approval and when I went to the other vendors it was reassuring for them to tell me that their technology was years behind axon so it made me feel good that we're going in the right direction one of the other things there was Dubai police I got to sit in there just under a million dollar police car that they brought over um, I got to meet three Ukraine police officers that were there it was neat to see them in this time that they're facing in their country actually over here at the International Association the Chiefs of Police Conference that was Petersburg Police Chief James Kerr talking with Rachel Cassandra about a recent police chiefs conference in Texas. With about half of absentee and early ballots now in for some Alaska districts following Tuesday's election, Rebecca Himshoot and Bert Stedman appear likely to represent Petersburg and Sitka and the outlying communities in the new legislative session in Juneau starting January. Stedman's Senate district also includes Ketchikan and surrounding communities, and his lead over his challenger will almost certainly hold. Robert Woolsey has this report. All election results are still unofficial, but Rebecca Hemshute's combined total of election night votes and early absentee votes has firmed up her lead over Kenny Carl Scaffelstad with 57% of the vote to Scaffelstad's 43. While it's mathematically possible for Scaffelstad to win, the former Huna mayor would have to pick up nearly all of the outstanding advance votes to come out on top. Himshute, a Sitka assembly member running for state office as an independent, is relieved the campaign is over. Obviously, I'm really pleased with, with the outcomes that we're seeing right now, and, and I'm hesitating to make any bold statements, but it's certainly I'm very optimistic, and it looks like things are going to go the way I want it to, and I'm, I'm just really, really pleased with that outcome, and I'm really pleased with the campaign, and I, I think the biggest feeling I have right now is gratitude. I just feel really incredibly grateful to you know to my team to the voters him says she's also feeling exhausted house district 2 is more than sitka and petersburg there are about 15 communities scattered across the region and him spent much of her campaign getting to know them that bert stedman is well known is an understatement he's been representing all the communities of senate a which includes both house districts 2 and 1 since he was appointed by then-Governor Frank Murkowski 19 years ago. With about half the outstanding absentee and early votes now counted, his election night lead over Petersburg challenger and fellow Republican Mike Sheldon remains solid, over 68% for Stedman to 33% for Sheldon. Stedman began visiting communities around the district the third week of July. He says it's been a tiring campaign, but also gratifying. So it's been quite a long haul covered a lot of a lot of communities met a lot of people but it is humbling and very appreciative that 70 percent of the district voted in favor of my re-election to represent them for another four years after 19 years of service it's it's very nice stedman could return to the senate with significant clout depending on the outcome of close races in south central alaska over his nearly two decades in the legislature, he's had ranking committee assignments in both bipartisan coalitions and Republican majorities. The strong nod from voters in Southeast could help him land another leadership assignment when the state Senate organizes next January.
they've got a lot of experience in years. So even if the vote count was substantially different than it is today, I'd still be in a very good position when it comes to organizational positioning just due to, I guess, knowledge of the of the interworkings of the legislature and seniority. Although the legislative races for House 2 and Senate A look likely to have settled, that's because both only had two candidates. Other statewide races with three or more candidates, including governor, U.S. senator, and U.S. representative, won't be decided until November 23rd, when rank choice ballots are tabulated for any race where no candidate has received over 50% of votes. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Southeast's commercial salmon harvest was half as big as last year's, but netted fishermen more money. That's according to a preliminary 2022 harvest report released by the Alaska Department of Fishing Game on Thursday. Commercial fishermen in Southeast hauled in just over 29 million fish across the five salmon species, During the 2022 season, 17.5 million pink salmon, 9.3 million chum, 1.2 million coho, 1.1 million sockeye, and 257,000 king salmon. Even though the total harvest was half of last year's catch, the total value at the docks for Southeast increased by $12 million this year to $144 million. That rise in value came primarily because the price per pound of chum salmon increased by half this year compared to last year at $1.18 per pound. Sockeye also had an 18% cent increase per pound this year, but the other three species had lower prices than in 2021. The drop in overall harvest numbers can mostly be attributed to a drop in pink salmon harvest because it's an even-numbered year when fewer pinks return to the waters of Southeast. Even still, Southeast fishermen caught 10 million more pinks than the last even-numbered year. That was 2020. Every other species saw harvest increases, including Southeast king salmon. Fishermen landed 40,000 more kings than in 2021. Southeast harvested more than 80% of the king salmon statewide this year. Chum salmon had the largest harvest increase in the region jumping over 2 million fish and more than $40 million in value. Statewide Fishing Game reports this is the largest even-year salmon harvest since 2010 and close to the long-term average harvest of 167 million fish. Seven members of Petersburg High School's wrestling team attended a tournament in Anchorage last weekend. Anchorage Christian School hosts an annual tournament for all 1A, 2A, and 3A schools in the state. Those divisions are based on how many students attend the schools. It's the biggest tournament for all small schools. It's also the biggest girls tournament. 52 teams participated last weekend. Head coach James Valentine says that's Southeast's only chance to take a look at their competition for the state championship tournament in mid-December. KFSK's Avery Harriman Sakamoto caught up with a team at practice this week. Our team that went up, uh, we did spectacular. Uh, you know, we brought six kids over, uh, six boys and then one girl, and we just, just crushed it. I couldn't even believe it. We were the top Southeast team taking fifth at ACS. And it was just with six guys to take that, that's insane. That means we were just pinning left and right, and it was amazing. So we, we brought six guys up, and to start from the bottom to the top here, you know, uh, we have Aiden, Kata, and um, Marcus Anderson. Now, both last year, they go Owen out, right? That means they didn't really win any last year. But this year, they come in, 
and they each get a win. Marcus gets another win, and then they go out. Now, for me, that's progress. We're making progress in the right direction, so that's awesome to see, right? And then to keep moving forward, we have four guys that place top four in in the state, or I guess at ACS, right? So you have Kyle Biggers, who naturally is supposed to be at 215, but we bumped him up for this tournament to wrestle heavyweights. And he goes and he wrestles guys that are like 50 pounds heavier than him and ends up taking fourth, which is awesome. You know, so like, what is he going to do at 215? We'll find out, right? And then we had Jonas Anderson, who goes out and takes third, but the guys who took first and second, they're also in Southeast. So that means we get to see him again. And that's really good to be able to know that at 160 pounds, the strongest people are from Southeast, meaning we get to see them all the time compared to the up north guys who, if they were up north guys who took the top seed, we can't see them again until state. So it's awesome. That means we're just going to tackle, 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 you know. And then we had two guys in the finals. And these two, uh, they definitely are outstanding wrestlers of the weekend, hands down, no questions asked. It was Caden Duke and Wyatt Lister. Um, those guys, they showed me how much they wanted it. Like, I, I, it was just straight up. They were unseated in their brackets, and then they go and they pin everybody, and they make it to finals. And it wasn't like it was undeserved. No, they deserved to be there. They pinned every single person all the way through, which is insane. Then they go into the finals. They, they both face kids from Nome who are just way stronger than them. But they go out there and they give it all to them. They ultimately lost, but hey, they made finals. They got to go onto the spotlight and they wrestled extremely hard and I'm very proud of them. I'm proud of my whole team. I don't I don't know what this weekend did, but something in the water or something in the air up there that just turned it on and I was just super happy about it. That leads me into our one girl that we brought up, Lakel Dinehart, and she first year like this is her second year ever wrestling last year she goes oh and out right and then this year she takes sixth i, 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 I have no idea what happened <laughs> she drank something or i don't know what it is but then she just turned it on started being the real wrestler she is and then just takes sixth, which is just really good as a coach so yeah it was a great weekend what does ketchikan look like this coming weekend uh it's the largest tournament for southeast so it'll be very big for us and I'm just excited to go because I really like the Ketchikan tournament. They run a really good tournament, and uh, it's just a very large one. So it's like two back-to-back -back large tournaments, which is always really fun to do. So, yeah. That was KFSK's Avery Herman Sakamoto speaking with Petersburg High School wrestling coach James Valentine. The team will be fundraising during their home tournament. And indeed, a correction, I said the wrong date this morning. It is going to be December 2nd and 3rd. Those are the correct dates. That wraps up the news portion of Midday Magazine for this Veterans Day, Friday, November 11th.